Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another episode. I'm Aaron Osborne, your host. Uh, this week, my guest is Todd from Nails. Um, Todd and I met when Nails came to Australia, and I obviously know him from playing in a million great hardcore bands. Um, and Todd recently started a podcast called the Unsilent Death Podcast, where he's talking to lots of musicians and people from the music industry, which is really sick, so you should check that out. Um, Todd chose Chaos AD by Sepultura to talk about, which is awesome because it's a record that I love as well. Um, so it was great to have a chat about it and, you know, discuss the feelings and opinions we both have on it, which were, which was really fun. Um, if, uh, you want to go back and check out some of the older episodes, got a lot of, uh, great ones went out recently. Um, got a lot of good ones coming up too. updated our web store, um, which has lots of mental cavity and I exist records and stuff have all been updated on there, which is good. Um, and yeah, give us a follow on the things, social media, give us a rating or review if you feel like it. Um, and go check out Todd's podcast, Unsilent Death. Um, all right, enough from me. Please enjoy episode 91 of the Oblivious Maximus podcast with Todd from Nails. Fucking brutal. thank you for doing the podcast with me i appreciate your time yeah man thanks for having me on and being interested in having me i really appreciate it um all right so you are the first person i think to choose a record that i know like back and forth like the back of my hand so i was very happy when you chose uh chaos ad why why did you choose this record it's pretty universal it's it's basically for the reason you just mentioned it's everybody knows it you know people our age yeah actually don't know how old you are but like just everybody from the kind of music we listen to knows chaos ad and and loves chaos ad and it's also it's one of those records it's it's weird it's uh it's such a universally like accepted and like record but it's it's you know it's not roots it's not new metal and it's not like thrashy like yeah. arise so it's just it's just you know, I wouldn't call it groove metal either. Like I know Pantera and Biohazard were were really big at the time, and I know that Sepultura guys like those bands a lot. And I would say a rot, or I'm sorry, Chaos AD does have groove in it, but it doesn't have it doesn't groove like Pantera, Biohazard. Like uh, Igor's groove is still, even though it can be very groovy, and he can do some of those like beats with like you know a lot of a lot of back and forth groove. It's like his groove is still like kind of like a punch you in the face groove. yeah like he's a very like mechanical is not the right word to use for him and stiff's not the right word but he's just he hits the drums like he's punching somebody yeah and i think probably at the time that this came out as well he was i mean the band as a whole was sort of i i suppose like coming out of doing more you know traditional sort of thrash metal or whatever so there was probably a lot of that in in how they were doing things too like you w- it would be weird if the band went straight from one thing straight to roots. You know, they needed to have a record that saw out some sort of, you know, some sort of change there. Some sort of middle ground between Arise and Roots. Yeah. Yes, I, I see. Yeah, and, it, and and you know, that is that record is, is a logical link between both those records. But it's just, it's not thrash and it's not necessarily new metal. It's just metal. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, um, when when yeah. did you first hear it? I first heard it when Territory was on MTV. Like I, I have like a vivid memory of seeing Territory on MTV before I went to school. Like I was waiting for my dad to like get ready so he would drive me to school and. I don't think they played Territory or any other Sepultura songs like in the straight, like, you know, prime time, like between like 4 p.m. and like 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. But they played it at weird hours and they played a lot on Headbangers Ball and on the corner of. Um, um, anyway, there was I went and I bought Chaos AD because I saw it on MTV mm. and um, yeah, I got it like with like like when it came out. Um whatever they were promoting territory on tv yeah i mean i think the thing for me like when when i first heard it i just remember thinking like it was like to to me at the time i think i mean i would have heard it after already being into bands like pantera and stuff like that but it was for me it was like very it it was like the the perfect sort of link between what you were saying, like that groove metal stuff, and the more traditional thrash or death metal kind of thing. And I think, uh, uh, I mean, I think I just really love that. The to me at least, it sounds like there's instead of listening more to I don't know the stuff that was influencing more of that groove stuff, they were they were listening to more like hardcore and punk, and like that's that's the vibe that that sort of gives off to me. I don't I don't know if that's that's true to them, but that's how I hear it a bit more, you know? Yeah, I hear that too. And I know that Max has cited industrial influences like Godflesh yeah. and um, stuff like that. And and you can hear that in the songs a lot based on, I think, hmm, it's very rhythmic in the way that it's yeah. just like pounding. And also it's like the record a lot of the riffs on the record are just straight up like open one and open oh, yeah. one four <laughs> like it's 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 very rhythmic and very re- repeatable and um and also like there's kind of like an atmosphere to some of the riffs like a lot of open riffs like da na 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 da na da da dun yeah like in thrash metal and and on like a rise there was I mean, it seems like the riffs were just like a little bit more like technical with the right hand and just more thrashier overall. But um, yeah, I mean, the record came out in October of 93. So that means Vulgar Display of Power came out in 92. Um, uh, the next record, Far Beyond Driven, would have came out in 94. So, so I heard this like probably in the later half of 93. I was, let's see, I would have been only 12 years old yeah at that time so i was listening to a lot of like this would this barely hit mainstream right i mean this yeah. was mainstream metal at the time but like barely it like barely gotten over the hurdle so i was listening to stuff like i still haven't gotten into punk yet i'm listening to just like mainstream stuff like metallica nirvana i had slayer seasons in the abyss and a couple slayer tapes yeah um the grunge stuff Soundgarden, and alice and change like i you know, I had gotten Chaos AD, but and I would listen to it, but like as a super young person and super new to music, you know, I had number one, I had no idea how much I'd end up liking this record. Yeah. Um, but I just I just listened to it as like a stoked kid who was just getting into music. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like different than how I listen to music now, which is sad, but <laughs> it's but just I mean, kind I, of the way it is. Yeah, that 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 happens. I mean, I think that that point in your life i mean and i think it's 
probably relatively common for people who play music like we do and things like that but like that period between like i feel like for a lot of people from like i mean like maybe like 12 to 18 ends up like coming back in waves throughout your life as well like i know for sure you know when i was i was like way into this stuff when i was probably probably a similar age like 13 12 13 14 and then i got more into death metal and you know stoner stuff and i guess like deeper cut stuff but then as you get older this stuff is the thing that you know that it remains constant like even if you get into different stuff an album like this always comes back around to me like it's no matter what little phase i go through in my listening whenever i hear a song off this record it gets me so fucking revved up about the record you know yeah it is an album where it's like I, I can't listen to just one song. I need to listen to the whole album. Yeah. It's like a very fulfilling, like front and back to listen. But if you think of, it's really weird because I think about the track listening to chaos AD a lot. And if you go towards the B side of the record, the B side opens up with biotech, which is like a, a really like a, it's probably like their most hardcore influenced song in the record. Right. Yeah. Like as far as, yeah. It has like kind of like a, I don't know. So that's really that's a really good fast song, and then Nomad is like kind of like a slower song, and then check it out. We who are not as others, like lyrically and vocally, that only has one line that repeats yeah. a bunch, but it's for a kind of like a small part of the song, mm. and towards towards the end. So you you can't say it's an instrumental, but you also can't say it's like a like a typical song that has like a verse and a chorus and yeah. that repeats. Right. And then you've got manifest, which is similar. It has like, you know, what they want you to believe is like a sample, like October 7th, 1992 or whatever yeah, the yeah. thing is. And then there's like, there's like a bridge of vocals and lyrics mm. towards, towards the end of the song. And then another like sample part and it's over. So that song's like, you couldn't, Maybe it's not right to call it an instrumental, but it, again, it's another situation where it's like not a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, typical styling yeah. of like song structure. And then you have The Hunt, which is a cover. Yeah. Like it's it's kind of wild because you have, and then you have Chaos on the A side of the record, which is a straight instrumental. And mm, it's 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 a lot of songs... Like I don't want to say it seems like a, a record that that they threw together because it's not it doesn't seem thrown together at all. But it's kind of it's kind of wild that there's one instrumental, two songs that are like very minimally vocal. I mm. think that's a fair thing to say, and then a cover song. You know what I mean? That's like one, two, three, four songs that are like, huh? Yeah, it's. I mean, I think to me when I went like one of the notes I made when I was listening through it, like I listened through it like four or five times just to try and think about it as well. And I think like maybe maybe even just like the layout of the record, if you're thinking about the era of this band, and I mean, I, I haven't read too much into aspects of it in that sense, but like there is quite a lot of experimentation, obviously, with what they're doing, like you talked about before, like listening to a lot of industrial stuff. Like I think maybe even, even the layout of the record and the planning of that comes as part of that experimentation as well. You know, like... yeah. 
like 1994, like what was popular then, like tribal tattoos and like <laughs> people, like all that mechanical stuff. Like, oh, yeah. People were really into that. Like Paul Booth tattooing got super popular a couple years, like probably in the late 90s. Yeah. And this was like a precursor to that kind of art. Yeah, like, yeah. This this record, like the I, it looks so fucking cool. That cover looks so oh. amazing. It's like a body bag, like a dead body and a body bag being lowered down into something. It looks so fucking cool. I remember one of the first shows, like the first like big brutal metal shows I went to in Canberra, where I'm from here, was I saw a dude. It's the capital of Australia, right? It is, is indeed. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, Australia's a shit, man. Yeah. I know my. I know a little bit about that place. <laughs> You've been here. You know the places. A couple times. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Um, it's like California, but better. Well, I'm I'm glad I'll take that. Um, I yeah, I just remember at that show there was a dude who was wearing a like a all over print Chaos AD shirt, and I just remember thinking it was like the sickest shirt design ever. That it was like <laughs> it goes, it's you know, it's not just a square on the front. Whoever's printed this has put the print just all over the whole thing. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, it's cool. That should come back. Yeah, it's a good style. I I remember like like shopping like grocery stores and convenience stores would sell magazines and in some of the music based magazines that I liked there would be order forms for this place that sold T shirts like yeah. some sort of distribu- distributor and they would have a couple all over prints like Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusions sometimes you'd see the Chaos AD one but um I don't know if all over prints were actually like ever in fashion oh no i'm, like, I'm sure they weren't <laughs> i mean i yeah i don't know it seems like it's almost like a uh i don't know i don't know what the angle is to it, the all over print t-shirt but i don't think it was ever like a success no and it's surely the most expensive way to print a t-shirt as well having to put that yeah. much into it i wonder how they do that because i wonder at what point is that like the actual fabric it's printed yeah. on the fabric but not necessarily is, is it printed by like a, a silk screen machine I've, or I mean, is it just like the fabric is made and when it's made the machine prints it on it you know yeah, it's dyed I into the shirt i don't know it's it, it for sure was one of those things where like the only time you would ever see people wearing it though was at like it'd be like you know some older dude who was just the local scene like the guy who was at every show wearing wearing that shirt hmm. kind of thing it's cool it's a, it's it's one of those shirts that people don't want to take off that's no, cool exactly that's like a testament to like the how, how cool the artwork is though right yeah absolutely and how good the record is too like people wouldn't want to wear the shirt if the record wasn't good yeah um i think one of the, one of the things that came that like the first big note that i made on this as well is that <clears throat> i mean i think like we've obviously said like it it really you know it's not just like the record starts and it's the same song the whole way through I think that really hits me about this record is like is how dynamic the like the feel of the record is as well as the songs are like while and I think that's maybe that's where like the link to groove comes from because I agree with you I don't think it's it's not like every riff's like a bouncy groovy riff or whatever but I think no, it's, it's like not. I think it's like a shift in the dynamics that makes at least to to me that's where the groove might come from is that like not every song is just like the whole way through it's got like it it has like noticeable shifts to like you know kind of like hard more like hardcore type riff parts but then even just stuff as well like playing even in like uh like slave new world like a riff coming around and instead of just playing it straight through 
as a thrash beat doing the half time like 16ths on the bell and it just makes mm. it like so heavy <laughs> and like yeah and and that like i think maybe that is where that link comes from but to me that's something that's like so that's what i link this record with is being really like punchy and dynamic and having those moving parts that make it that's the groove for me you know yeah so igor is like a really good drummer yeah he plays he i don't know i i guess i just i guess i said it earlier but i feel like he plays his drum set like he's in a fist fight or something because it's he's it's just real it's a lot of attack in his playing yeah. right there's a, he's a fucking hard-hitting drummer um I, mean, I had a, something to say about Slave New World. I know there's a credit to Bile or like Evan Seinfeld in that. In yeah, I think, record. He, I think he wrote he wrote the lyrics. Yeah, right? yeah, I think so. I think that was the case. I remember asking him about that because when I was when I was playing in Terror, Terror did a tour with Biohazard, and you know I've been a mark for the Sepultura record for a long time, and I I know that Evan had a writing credit, and I was like, what did you do with that? He's like, oh, I wrote the intro. I'm like, the music or the lyrics? And I'm pretty sure he, I'm pretty sure he said the lyrics. Yeah, right. I mean, I think as well. Like, I mean, I, I guess I only know it from, you know, from just like a, a fan perspective. But like, the time, the time that this record exists within is really, it seems really interesting as well for a band like Sepultura as well, from coming from that really traditional metal world. And then obviously really liking hardcore and punk and stuff like that. And then moving into like a, a sort of a different world that I guess those people got them as well, you know? You know, what's funny is like Max, like seems to wear his heart on his sleeve. Mm. Like he's when he's doing interviews. And one of the things I picked up about him is that like particularly for this record and like the Roots record and even other records he was writing, he's really open with what his influences are and he always like tries to stay inspired. Like it sounds like he was really inspired on Chaos AD by what was going around yeah. around him musically. Like they had just because consider this: they did Arise, Beneath the Remains, Schizophrenia, and then like their first like 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 Bestial whatever yeah, Devastation, Devastation and yeah. Morbid re- whatever. Yeah, and I don't. Th- I like those records, but like that's. Like Sepultura to me is is between like schizophrenia and and chaos AD and yeah. roots and whatnot, but like like he's inspired by the music at the time. Like they they like oh I'm sorry for listening to all those main. So basically they've done like four thrash albums worth of material, right? By yeah. the time they got the chaos AD, so Max is super into all this industrial stuff, and he's always talked about how he was into industrial stuff at that time. Hard they they talk about how they were the hardcore and punk and shit, and um. And that's that's just kind of what this record sounds like. I'm sure he 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 was really all those guys are super into Biohazard, and it's like you know like when you take something like like Sepultura like the like like the music they played on Horizon previously, and you and you mix that up with something modern at the time, um, like the like the second Biohazard album with Punishment, um, what's that record called? Urban Discipline. Yeah, and then. What's the one that came after Urban Discipline? That was State of the World Address. So that came out in 94. So that wasn't out yet. So Max was probably listening to Urban Discipline and Vulgar Display of Power. Yeah. Right? 
Like I'm pretty, I don't know if he ever copped to being really into Pantera or not, but I know that he was super into biohazard and shit, but, um, that makes sense, dude. I mean, it's like the kind of like, like, let's hear what Sepultura would sound like if they played like a more groove style of style of music and focused on that as opposed to like super fast thrashy stuff. Yeah. And, um, and that kind of, it kind of makes sense. You know what I mean? It's kind of more that, that like New York hardcore, like, you know, they have some of the fast New York hardcore inspiration on it, and then they have the, the biohazard, like, kind of groove on it. You hear that on Slave New World. It's like, that stuff, too, that, that's, like, another thing for me as well, is if, if you listen to, even just as deep down as, like, the guitar playing on this record, like, like you already mentioned before, there's a lot of, like, very sort of basic notation, but then... The other thing for me too is like I, I feel like this is the first record for Sepultura at least for my ears where there's like lots of like ring out bends and like it, like just trying different stuff with the guitar you know yeah there's a lot of more like dissonant stuff did they do that you, you know what I think Sepultura is responsible for like that I don't know what people call it I think Jamie Josta calls it the alarm clock riff or whatever <laughs> where like you take your fingers and you're playing basically like you you're playing a note high up on the fretboard on the high strings and then you play all you play oh. almost the same note but what's that thing called you know like the yeah it's like uh i mean like a i mean it's not you're not playing the same note but the the a half, a half note up or down i'm not depending on how yeah. you do it i don't know how you do it but it's like that i'm like like that kind of shit yeah. like um that was like i feel like this is the first record i've ever heard that on yeah and it's and it, and it's like the, I think the f- the use of it as well was like you. I mean, again, like I think I, I get I get the sense that a lot of this record was like really thought out because it's the other thing too is that like a lot of those parts go in multiple songs and there's multiple times in the record where they use the same the same so- part yeah the same kind of trick you know dude the chorus to um, the chorus to uh, territory you know it's like dun 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 and they hit the high notes is the same as uh i think it's amen where it's like do sister walk with me like yeah it's like the same it's like four one four one open um that's interesting you think it's really thought out because i i think what i was trying to say earlier with the fact that there was like these three these four songs one was a cover one was a straight up instrumental and two were like you know had minimal vocals i feel like this record to me it sounds like this record was like a heavily like like a jam record like i don't know yeah, if right. max cavalera wrote these songs like by himself and demoed them and showed them i i i don't i doubt that was the case like i feel like a lot of these songs were in a lot of these parts i it's hard for me to imagine somebody making a lot of this stuff up in their bedroom by themselves like i feel like this was like very heavily influenced by like jamming together in their room but like i said i don't know yeah, but that's, yeah I mean, like, me either yeah I mean, I that's think- kind of my impression just because of like a song like Amen, like that's that's like a that's like a song with like a lot of fucking atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of ring out notes like you were saying. Yeah, I think I think as well, too. Like, it pro- I mean, I guess you got to think, too, in the scope of the band. I mean, the band has been by the by the time they write this record, they've been a band for like 10 years already. Eleven or mm, maybe yeah. maybe nine years. I, I don't know. But like. By that point, too, I mean, the four of them have been playing music together for so long that, like, you know, it, it probably is, it is time, you know, I, I think, like, it probably, for them, 
you know, they want to reflect the things that they're listening to, obviously, but it is probably time for them to collectively do something a little bit different, you know? Like, it probably gets... I mean, it might have been something, too, for them just getting, like, a little bit sick of playing the same stuff. So a record like this really jars, you know, throws that sort well, of sideways a bit. If you count... If you count Schizophrenia being their first proper album, mm. which I think that's like a fair thing to say. I think yeah. Schizophrenia was their first album. Or Schizoph- and then um, Beneath the Remains, number two. Arise, number three. Chaos AD, number four. So, they, so they've already done three albums that are pretty much, you know, kind of the same thing. Like, yeah. uh, like I would say Beneath the Remains was an improvement on Schizophrenia. And I think Arise was kind of an improvement on beneath the remains although beneath the remains has some stuff that they didn't they there's some stuff on beneath the remains that wasn't done anywhere else better yeah yeah like there's some stuff on the on a rise that's like a like a big improvement on beneath the remains but there's some really hard ass shit on beneath the remains that I feel like they didn't really do better on another record but that's besides the point but like so like yeah they're on their fourth album they're writing their fourth album like as musicians and fans of music they're probably just like dude we gotta do something yeah. like a little different like we just did a rise we kind of perfected what we did like let's let's try to excuse me let's try to take our style and apply it a little bit differently and see if it works and you know when bands do that when bands stick their neck out like that and try something new when they've already got like a sound that their fans you know love and expect out of them it's like a you know it's it's one of those things where it's like you're either gonna succeed or you're gonna fail like Mm. there's not really a lot in between like you're either gonna do really well and people are gonna love it or you know your fan base is really not gonna be feeling it and you know that's that might be you know the end of your band but like they stuck their neck out and uh it's it worked out i mean clearly i i think there was a lot of people though it's hard for me to tell because i was when i experienced the album i was just like a young kid i didn't Mm. know what other metal people i didn't know what like a what a sepultura fan who had already been invested in the band like i didn't know how they felt like i think this album got like it obviously got a lot of love from people like people our age and stuff like love this record everybody Mm. um but i think when the record came out there was probably some pushback from some of the fans who expected oh yeah expected it to be fast yeah but i mean i think i i think that's another thing that i i think about more i feel like i've thought about more as i've gotten older as well and particularly from you know playing music myself too like i mean it gets to a point when you i mean you know when you while music is performative and it is for a a person to consume and listen to at the end of the day like you're doing it because you want to do it and you're playing the songs because you want to play them and you know like if if being in a band like this i can i can only assume it got to a point for them where they were like we can't just keep writing the same stuff like we have to do something different we have to we have to be you know and i'm sure like the the environment of music at the time influenced that as well and you know like like listening to things like biohazard and getting into other aspects of music but i mean the other thing too is like you know you got to take chances like that as well or otherwise your band's just gonna yeah you can either you can either make an active decision to change something and it succeed or fail but then you could just keep writing the same record but that might also fail too you know because people then review that or look at that and just go oh, you've just written the same song as you did 
you know, five years ago or whatever. Yeah. There's there's some music fans though who kind of you know not not every music fan like expects the same thing out of a band. There's there's some people out there who 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 just want the same thing over and over yeah. and over again. And there, and then there's some people who like they champion originality and they're they're looking for bands who move things forward in mm. the, just the general realm of music. And um, and I think like Chaos AD probably attracted a lot of that right it probably attracted yeah. a new audience for sepultura some of their old audience probably didn't like how slow the record is but for all intent and purposes i mean they they probably with every fan they lost they probably gained 10 more well yeah exactly and i mean i think i was looking up some just little like facts about it and like i mean i guess the, you know the the big thing that stood out for me as well like the the first north american tour following it was with pantera so like that that would have been like a huge you know a huge exposure thing for them then yeah pantera brought him out right yeah hmm like which yeah i mean pan what let's see let's see when that was sepultura do you know the other date on that i think it said 94 so i think they must have done like south america and europe and then gone to north america so they were touring so pantera so um far beyond driven was out must be it must have been like i think because i think it said on some of them it was like a it was like a co-headline thing in some places which i I mean i don't know but that um the thing about pantera and the thing i've heard about them because i was too young to see them i wasn't too young to see them i was into pantera in 1992 but by the time i went to punk shows and shit i was not gonna (laughs) I, i didn't really go to like um expensive shows i was used to paying like 10 bucks for yeah, the yeah. Shows, so i didn't metal sh- metal shows were kind of out but let's see here uh tour history yeah so so what was it july of 94 so far beyond driven was already out mm. um yeah july of not, here we go may and, and june of, or august of 94 so yeah pantera was fucking huge at that time they had they had already had Walk in This Love out, and then during that album, they had Five Minutes Alone. Yeah. And uh, the thing about Pantera was they could draw people, like in L.A. and New York and Chicago and those places. I mean, obviously, they could draw plenty of people. Like, like, like they would play the Palladium in L.A., which is like a, uh, depending on how they configure the room, I think it's like a thirty-five to 4,500 uh, capacity. Yeah, I think yeah. It's, I think it's 3,900, but I... I don't. I, it's, it's if it's not that, it's somewhere in that ballpark. But like they would play places like um, like Louisville, Kentucky, or whatever, and they draw even more than that. Like places in the middle of America. Yeah. Like just straight up, dude. Just wherever there was like pasty white people, like those people <laughs> fucking loved Pantera. Yeah. Like, like they did. Obviously, they did well in other places. But I heard that they really, really drew in those places like that, like middle of America. Like they were, like it. It would make sense if Sepultura was just doing main support and not like a co-headline. Yeah. But, but yeah, dude. I mean, that was their Pantera, Sepultura, and Prong, right? Yeah, I mean, and like I think, particularly if you're Sepultura on this record as well, that that's like a perfect way to, you know, kick it in that direction. You know, like that that would have. I'm sure that again, like I'm sure the tours they did before that were were great and did did well for them. But something a record like this to push it in that direction probably pushed yeah. it so much further, you know? 
Yeah, if you're a Pantera fan and you don't know who Sepultura is and you go to the Pantera gig and you see Sepultura like play before Pantera, you're like you're definitely buying oh, yeah. their album when you when you know you have ten bucks or fifteen bucks. Yeah. To go get it. Um I mean Yeah, dude. Another thing that I that like I just like noted about this too was that like I I I'd never realized and I don't know how I've never realized this because I think I mean one of my things growing up was always like looking where who recorded records and where they were recorded and things like that but i'd never Me too i love liner notes yeah man it's the 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 whole reason to buy a record for me is to sit there and like you know spew over all the yep. facts in it you know? yeah look at see what bands they thanked and check out those bands oh yeah that that's I used like to do that that's how I think when I was in school that like that was how you got into bands. You listened to the other bands that of the shirts they're wearing or that are thanked yeah. in the liner notes. Like, totally, um, I still do that shit. If I see a band I like wearing a band, like if I don't know the band shirt they're wearing, I'll go check it out. Yeah, um, but yeah, thing I I'd never realized was that this was like it was recorded in the UK and it was like I, I guess for me I always associate so much of metal at this time or particularly you know records like this being so associated with you know being recorded in the u.s and being you know like obviously they'd done other records at that morris sound and things like that like all the other death metal bands at the time were doing and stuff but i i just never realized that this was like i mean it was recorded in wales like i I never knew that about this album Yeah, I think the reason for that I've read in interviews is that they wanted to go to a studio where they didn't have any distractions. Yeah. Um, dude, here's a funny story. Max told me when... Um, you know Nails did a song with Max? Yeah, That yeah. song, Endless Resistance? Yeah. When we went to go record that with him, we went to... We drove to Arizona, and there's a studio out there called Platinum Underground Studios. And we we had Max meet us there, and and we did the song together. And he told us his story when Sepultura was riding a rise. They were living in Arizona at the time. And they like they were they had like a rehearsal space or whatever, like a room that they rented and rehearsed it, rehearsed in and they were riding a rise. And they went to the like the seven eleven across the street to whatever, just go get snacks and drinks and shit. Yeah. And they saw someone get murdered. <laughs> Fucking hell. And then <laughs> and then he said Max was like, Yeah, and we just we were like, Whoa. And we went back into the rehearsal <laughs> space, and we wrote "Murder." <laughs> Fuck like, it I don't know. I don't. That, that has nothing to do with Chaos AD. But um, no. so yeah, I think when they like when they recorded, they they just wanted no distractions, which makes sense. I mean, going out to Wales to record a yeah. record, and like um, I you you see like um, there's like recording videos on YouTube or or whatever where, of them video of them recording the record and stuff and it looks like they're out somewhere out in the middle of nowhere oh yeah big time i mean and uh dude andy wallace engineered the record though right yeah yeah which that's fucking crazy yeah it's unreal. that guy that guy so andy wallace mixed Nevermind. yeah and he mixed rain and blood yes yeah, credits recorded, are insane I think he recorded and mixed Rain and Blood, recorded and mixed South of Heaven, recorded and mixed um, Seasons in the Abyss. Mm. He um, he has like modern day rock credits on like Avenged Sevenfold Records. He um, I think he may have mixed a Ghost record. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just bringing his thing up here. I mean his his credit list is like enormous. 
Yeah, I heard he charges like ten thousand dollars a song to mix. So if like you want to, <laughs> yeah. If you if if so if any of our bands want to get a record mixed by him, you just got to make sure you get a hundred twenty thousand dollar recording budget. Yeah, you'll start, be all right. <laughs> start saving up now. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I don't I mean, know. He's 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 the guy, man. I mean, yeah, he's dude, done he tons mix, of big mix Nirvana, the like undoubtedly one of the biggest records of the nineties, at least on a cultural standpoint and you mix sepultura records you mix slayer records and you're doing big time rock mainstream pop stuff like yeah guy's the man what a what a guy yeah well i mean and like obviously a good i mean a good pick too for for what for what this for what this is as well if you're if they're trying you know if they're exiting a little bit somewhat of what has historically been what they've been doing it makes sense to push it by doing by involving a different part in that aspect as well yeah yeah they i and so andy wallace mixed arise but he didn't record it mm. so i think this that like the the most logical step would be to like go record with the guy go also record with the guy who mixes your records yeah um uh, i mean i think a like I, i've made a note as well like it even just the the fact that the the cover that they do I mean, one, including a cover on a record for a band like this, I mean, that that's that in itself is interesting sometimes. Like, obviously, every band I've ever played has always played covers and I've recorded covers and shit. But, like, you do think at some point, like, it is interesting for a point, uh, for a band to include that in their, you know, in their LP instead of it being, like, a bonus track or being uh, on an EP or something. Like, including it on an album means that they're very clearly very confident with it and like like it enough for it to be you know kind of historically now it's always on that it's on that release but as well like it's a really interesting cover choice too like it's such a different vibe from what you know the band is doing i mean and that to me i like i love that i love when bands do covers of songs that they actually make their own it's not just them performing exactly the song the way it was originally recorded yeah hard covers are a hard are a hard thing like i mm. i'm firmly believe like if you can't make it sound better either from a production standpoint or just like a playing standpoint then you shouldn't do it like mm. it the cover songs just like it, it you're right i agree with you here like there's something to this that makes it relevant um yeah but like that like that's a rare example right i mean like if you hear if i hear like 10 cover songs like only one or two of them are good yeah oh absolutely like that's my opinion like that's that's yeah. been my that's been my experience with music like like you know you look at you look at chaos ad and even with the hunt it's 12 songs so yeah. maybe they were just looking to get like a 12th song or maybe they were looking to fill time one thing i max did tell me about that is that was uh that was igor is the one who kind of pushed to cover that song he was the one that was like yeah let's let's do this and the band was like yeah cool yeah right i mean it's just it's just really interesting because it's like it's I mean, obviously, it's a, not a metal song, but like it's, yeah, it's so melodic comparatively, like in in, in com, you know, compared to the way the rest of the record goes. Especially clench, especially the way they close the record. Yeah, like clench fist is like a really aggressive song. So to put this, like, you're right. It's like a, it's like a melodic, like, um, it, it like takes you on a journey. You know it, what I mean? The hunt, like, it has this like like this grand bridge, like do do yeah do do do. God, I wonder how much money those guys, New Model Army, made from Sepultura <laughs> covering them. They probably made so much money in royalties off this. When I look, I like I 
when I why well, I'd certainly never heard it before I heard this version of it, but like when I um when I was looking it up the other day, like the Wikipedia article for them in like the third line in their Wikipedia article is that they've Sepultura recovered them. <laughs> like that's it's very high up in in what's discussed about them is Sepultura doing a cover of it. So I'm sure it reinvigorated it quite a bit. That's right. Put some fucking respect on Sepultura's <laughs> name, baby. Gotta, gotta do it. Top. I mean, I don't, I gotta be honest with you, man. Like, like I don't, I've still never even listened to new model army. I don't, it's just a band that never, no, I just, I don't know. I just never, I don't even, I couldn't, I've never heard them. I've only listened to that song because it's covered by Sepultura. So I'm the exact target market of, of who is yeah. of who is giving them some plays. That's okay. Know? That's I mean, that's probably what Sepultura wants you to do. They probably wanted to expose the world. They probably thought, wow, this band's great. But it looks like New Model Army was like on a uh, major label. So it's not like they needed exposure. They yeah. were probably like, at one time, they were probably like a very like, you know, popular big band or whatever. But... I don't know, dude. They Sepultura definitely brought awareness to who New Model Army was to folks like us, you know. Because if Sepultura didn't cover them, it would have just been like a name I saw that. Yeah, it's just an old band, like I don't that I don't know anything about. But now it's like, oh yeah, I, I know one of their songs mm. because of Sepultura. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> they did it. <laughs> Sepultura did so many cool songs, cool cover songs. They they covered uh, Black Sabbath. They yeah. did Children of the Grave, right? Yeah. And then they did that that uh, RDP cover. That makes sense because that's like a punk band where they're from. Yeah. Ratos de Peoria. I think that's how you say it. My Spanish is terrible. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think like it, it's just one of those. I think in, in all for me, this record is like it. <clears throat> I, I, I think I go back and forth between liking this and liking Beneath the Remains. But they're... I can't com- I don't think I can really compare the two and say like either one is like my favorite record because to me they exist so separately like they're two completely different yeah. styled they records. They stand on their they stand on their own. Right? Yeah. Like I would say if you're going to compare anything to the Beneath the Remains it would be Arise or Schizophrenia. Yeah. Like but, but side B of Beneath the, side the whole record of Beneath the Remains is so good but I feel like side B is like where it really opens up yeah. and gets interesting. I love I love that, but um, I'd probably choose a rise over beneath the remains. Well, you know, we're we're all we're all different people, man. <laughs> but yeah, you're, that's a but no. But each answer is a winning answer, right? I yeah. Mean, either way, you're well, not I think, wrong. Well, I think I think I think for me that record just came. That record just comes around the time of that other death metal stuff that I like so much. And while it is not, I mean, I think it it rides a line of being having death metal parts and having obviously it's more of a thrash record but like that to me is like it's one of it it sits to me as one of like the great records within that like morris sound recording studio era set of records yeah what do you think of kiawas i love it isn't it so weird like um i think it's it's strange but i love it being there I, I mean, I love it too. It's interesting to put um, an instrumental on an A side. Usually, bands yeah. will throw the instrumentals on the B sides, but um, I wish more bands would do stuff like this. Like, it seems like you know, if it just seems like bands don't do stuff like this, like like really just 
like there's there's weird like uh, kind of like blues stuff in there but mm. for the most parts it's like a it's like a cool atmosphere like like it probably has how many acoustics does it have just two or three i think two i think it might yeah, be a 12 so, string and a and like a nylon string playing at the same time if i'm not it really this song being on the record on the a side really kind of pushes the agenda that it's like a mid-tempo like uh rhythm feel vibe type thing right yeah because you got refuse resist that's like um i mean it's hard it's, uh, it sounds hard to me but that bounce that riff you could you could say that's bouncy and you nest you want i don't think you'd be wrong no but i hear i hear that more of as like a smash someone in the face riff and then territory i mean that's just a downtrodden you know the beginnings like kind of like you know you could say it's upbeat but once you get out of that intro and you get into the verse it's just like a it's just like it, it sounds like how they look in the video where they're just like <laughs> fucking have mud all over them yeah. and they're fucking soaked in mud and they're in the they're in the river or some shit it sounds like that slave new world that's like like that has that fucking crushing intro like that mm. two-step like head banging like violent i love that song me too amen amen is a little i would say that's a little more atmospheric. yeah it's like it's you know it still has that like kind of territory like downtrodden kind of vibe to it but it also has a lot of a lot of atmosphere it has that riff that goes where he slides down the riff it's like and then dude you know who really shines on this record is fucking um i'll tell you who really shines on this record is Andreas. Yeah, um, big time. I feel like I feel like his lead work brings the um, like he has a lot of like dissonant, but like but like really melodic, like little like things here and there, like not licks but parts. Mm. And he's, I think he's really like where these songs could have been like dull, like where it's just like a just like another riff going on he he would put like a like a like a little melodic lead on it to make it sound just to give it a little bit more just a little not interesting but just to keep keep it going and he he really really adds he really does a good job with all those like dissonant leads he has on here yeah and i think as well this record is like the i mean the first time as well the band starts moving away from like you know, the every solo is a, a fucking dive bomb into a really fast, whittly part, and then you know, like like yeah, solos. Yeah, tra- he's trading that. He's like, I need to write effective leads yeah. that, that like that have like soul to them, and I think he does that. And then chaos. That's the that's the um, acoustic jammer instrumental. That's that's great. It has a ton of soul to it. And then for the final because i had the cassette tape so it was a final song on side a propaganda hard hard oh. mid-tempo song like uh that you could say that song's upbeat right like yeah why don't you get a lot to grow up <laughs> like that's i love that song it's, and it's then my the, uh, it's my favorite song in the record i reckon propaganda it is huh yeah it's a good one it's a uh, you know what i was told by max was they were they were gonna originally call the album propaganda i mean that would have been cool too Chaos AD is a little more iconic, especially because it's like uh, yeah, it suits the first lyric of the first. It's the first lyric you hear on the record. Yeah, and refuse resist. Chaos AD. That's it's a, like, I love that. I love that the first, It's him screaming the album title is the first thing that you hear. Like it's so sick. 
I didn't even like. I always thought it was like, okay, that's yeah, that is sick, huh? Yeah. It's just like here it is, chaos AD, and then you, and then aside from having that as a hook, you also got the refuse resist as a hook. Yeah. You know what's interesting is that they didn't like. You know how they have the riff, which is like kind of like the defining riff of that song. That's not the part that he actually sings chaos AD over. The, the, like you'd agree, that's like a defining riff for oh. like not just this song, but like probably this style of music. Hundred percent. It's it's very interesting that 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 like if yeah, when you think of like this this song, you think of that riff, or or like the or the you know the syncopated drum part to to suit it, you know. But like mm-hmm. yeah, that screaming the album title is over, like a verse riff, you know, <laughs> like dude territory. So good, the I, drum beat. That I mean, I think I mean that's obviously another a big thing with this record too is like the first time. Well, really, like the most regular then use of like that, um, you know, like the traditional sort of uh, South American music where they start adding that stuff in more and more too. Yeah, refuse resist was like all right, guys. We're we're kind of getting into like. The mid-tempo stuff, the groovier stuff, like kind of like the stuff like from our own country and yeah. territory comes in. It's like, yeah, here we are. This is what this we're is doing. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> and 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 like you know, it's basically that drum that drum riff in territory is like iconic, dude. Like, yeah. Like it's just known and like like it's it's a fucking hard, like you know you see drummers struggle with that. That's like not an easy. Yeah, it's not a rudimentary thing to play. It's not an elementary thing to play. Like you kind of gotta have your chops up to be able to play something like that. And uh, it's cool. Fucking Igor came up with that, from what I understand, from reading interviews and not. And he's just like, "That's really cool." Like he's, yeah. he, when a drummer can just be like, "Guys, I have this thing," and it's like turns into the intro of the song. I think that was like a a thing that was. Uh, like I don't want to say it was an afterthought, but it was something they did in the studio. Yeah, they were like, "Let's put this drum, let's put this drum riff as an intro to this song." Yeah, I mean, and that's uh, certainly that. That when I like when I started playing music, I I started first playing drums when I was like playing heavy stuff, and that was that was in like the that was that and like. I don't know, you know, some Pantera songs, some Cannibal Corp songs and stuff. They were the songs where it was like, oh, okay, you got to learn how to do like that beat. That's an iconic beat. You have to learn how to play. <laughs> like as a drummer playing metal, you got to learn that, you know, that was huge. That's really. like, one, that's, that's being checked off the list. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. That and that and like hammer smash face symbol choke. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh yeah. That's just how just aggressive and, and iconic, man. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I think for me, I, I would say, yeah, I like propaganda is definitely the song now that I, like, I, I, I think when I think about like my favorite part of the record that I think that song is my favorite song, but that being Hell said, yeah. like, I mean, every, I, I just really, I think for me, while, while it is a record that, um, you know, ha- has a lot of different dynamics. As I said before, it is a record to me where I'm like, yeah, like I p- when I put it on, I want to listen to the whole thing. I don't just want to listen to one song and let it go. You know, I want to I want to play it through. Yeah, it has. It just has that has that satisfying feeling. Yeah, like, definitely an album. Um, 
Did you have any other notes about it? Was there anything else that we didn't talk about right now that you wanted to talk about? Not necessarily. Um, all the songs are... It sounds like to me that all the songs are played like in a... Um, how do I say this? Like so, so for instance, Refuse, Resist, and Territory are in the key of D. Yeah. I think Slave New World's in the key of like E flat or D sharp, however, depending on how you say that. Mm-hmm. Um, the only song on C is We Who Are Not As Others. And depending on what the tuning is, it doesn't sound like, like, like they're playing it like it, it's in that tuning. Like, so if, so if the song, like, like say if Slave New Worlds in D, D sharp mm. or E flat, and it sounds like the guitar is tuned to that. Yeah. So there's like, it's like in all the songs that are, are in, all the songs sound like they're, they're played to whatever tuning they're in. So I'm wondering if they knew ahead of time, they're like, all right, all our songs are in the same kind of key. So we're going to, we're going to tune our guitars. Some songs are going to be in, most of the songs will be in, in D. A couple songs will be in D sharp. And then a couple songs are going to be, or one song will be in C. Mm. Like, I wonder if they did that to kind of, um, like help the flow of the record. Cause if you have a record and it's all in the same key, it kind of, it, it's one of the, one of the things to help not get your record be monotonous is having each song be in like, a, yeah. like from when it goes from one to the other, have it be in like maybe a different key. That's like a track, a trick. Like for instance, like one example of like a, an album being in the same key and like kind of like almost sounding kind of same, same when it goes between songs is that blood for blood record, revenge on society. Do yeah, you know that record? Yep. Yeah, so like a lot of the songs, like it's kind of cool, but like a lot of the way that Rob would open the songs, that he would just strum strum out like, <laughs> it just gives and it like, the it's exact like, same level. Yeah, like like honest, like like check that disc out and go like uh, like listen to the ten seconds of each song, and you'll see what I mean. Yeah, you'll you'll see what I mean. Like the first like two or three or four seconds of songs, you'll see what I mean. But like, so one of the tricks is to get your re- to to help your record have a little bit more um, dynamics is to have the songs in different keys and i'm wondering if they i'm sure they did that like yeah. as a, i'm guessing they did that as like a precaution They're like all right let's have some songs in this key let's have songs in that key and then we'll put one of the heavier songs in like the heaviest key that we've done or whatever yeah um but i think you know some of these songs are in straight up e too i think one song was in e yeah it's i mean uh, it's it's really interesting to me because i i think as well a big thing that i this this record's another record that for me like speaks so truly of the fact that you don't have to tune down to be heavy <laughs> like you can choose dude no way you know. no that's absolutely anybody who thinks you have to tune down to be heavy is is sadly mistaken yeah. like I, in no songs on this are in e i was mistaken but the but arise i think a lot of arises in e yeah but dude no no man i mean you don't need to tune down to sound heavy at all that's a that's a complete misconception um you know, I I'm a fan of E standard tuning. I yep. really am, and I and you know nails tunes to C C straight. Yeah. And um, sometimes I wish we didn't. Sometimes I wish we tuned to E straight, but our songs wouldn't sound the same if they were in the yeah. e, e. Like like I purposely tuned it like when we started the band to to C straight because um, I wanted to have that like low registry of like bass, mm. and it was mainly for that. But um, Otherwise, like if I'm like learning, like if I'm like if I'm like doing like uh, solo stuff, learning solo stuff or running scales, it's so much easier to play on lighter gauge strings, right? Yeah. 
I mean, so like, like, like you're if you're learning to play fast on on an E standard with typical like gauge strings for an E standard, like ten gauge strings, it's a lot easier to do that shit faster and cleaner than if you're like, you know, on a guitar with C standard tuning. Yeah, with like, fumbling through really you know, heavy strings. Yeah, and I mean, you could do it. It can be done. There's plenty of folks out there, like all those like degent people. They go crazy on all that shit, so they, it can be done. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's a struggle. I think, but no, nah, man, I didn't. I didn't have any other. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was just gonna say, like, I think for me, you know, I, I mean, I learned when I started learning how to play guitar. It was in standard, and then, you know, I learned songs like Black Sabbath songs, and I was like if this can be this heavy like this that's fine and i mean i think the reality is now looking back in the bands that i've played in like i've not really played in that many bands that play in standard but like when i have it's 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 not been like at the at the detriment of how like heavy or brutal a band can sound it's that's all about your playing and how you have your the mm -hmm. the whole band it's not just about that guitar being in tune you know absolutely not man i mean i think i think uh i don't think slayer started tuning down until like rain and blood and they only tuned to like d flat but i think even hella weights is in e yeah like come on like hella weights is one of the heaviest songs for yeah. by like um speed metal standards or even metal standards i mean that song's so sinister and so fucking hard and heavy sounding like 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 it ain't e e E standard's no joke. You can do a lot of you can do a lot of things with E standard. Hmm. Um all right, well it wouldn't wouldn't be like a true podcast if we didn't briefly talk about you doing a podcast now. How um Oh okay. How um yeah. how did uh I obviously have told you other outside of this, but like it's it's fucking cool. It's great to have someone else doing it and talking to other people about stuff. How what was like the impetus to get that going? Um, I it's a, it's an idea I've had for a while. I don't know how long, maybe a year plus. Mm. Uh, but I I wanted to have my podcast. Uh, I wanted to do it. Um, my buddy of mine and like told me it's like, hey man, you know when you talk, you you like you talk very well when you talk about music and you say interesting things. And I'm like, well, I'm just talking about music. This is stuff I like. He's like. And they kind of gave me like the confidence to to um, do it, you know. I'm, you know, like before I before I like like considered doing a podcast or while I was considering doing it, rather, I was, I kind of questioned like, you know, does this need to exist? Like, yeah. am I like a guy? Do people need to hear my perspective? Like, because there's kind of like it's kind of like egomaniacal to think that like you're important enough <laughs> yeah. that people want to hear what you say. Yeah. But I, I mean, I look at it like, look, I'm in a band like people, like I don't fucking have social media mm. at all. So it's like, you know, if you guys want to know what I'm up to and shit, like, con like this is, this, this is, is like, I'm just talking to music about people I know. So just come check it out. And like, you know, I'll talk about nail stuff. I'll talk about what's going on in my life. I'll talk about, you know, just just whatever. If you want to know what I'm up to, here you go. I kind of wanted it to be a place where I could like connect with people. Yeah. And it's kind of like how I said earlier. I'm not like I don't really like social media. I'm not. I don't. I don't really want to. I don't really have a lot of time to invest into it. And the podcast is like a way where I could talk to like musicians I like and and all like anybody in music rather because like I'm I'm just so fascinated with music. I'm fascinated with every aspect of it, not just from like. Like like uh, 
like songs, songwriting or whatever, but mm. or like gear. But I'm fascinated with like how does a promoter book a show? I'm fascinated with how does a booking agent make a tour happen? Uh, how does a person release a record and continue to press a record and continue to market bands? And and how does a publicist get get um, their work to like magazines? How does um, how does a recording person produce a band or like mic a guitar amp? Just anything that I really have on my brain and and. And, and for me, it's easy. You know, for a lot of other people, they don't have access to the people that I have access to. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a guy in a band. I know a lot of other people in bands. And it's not, I'm not like a press outlet looking to, to like, to cover them. I'm just their, I'm just their buddy. I'm their buddy yeah. Todd from Nails. And I, it's like, oh, I'll call up Todd, have a conversation, fine. And it's, um, it's fun, man. It's just like, like I like after releasing the first like five episodes or whatever, I've gotten a lot of good feedback. People seem to think that there's some, you know, people like it and shit. So like, I'm I'm gonna keep doing it, and I'm having fun doing it. One of my favorite parts is editing. I like editing. I just seem to oh, kind of put my put my head down and do it. What about you? What, what's your like your favorite aspect of doing your podcast? I mean, I think like I think honestly, just like I mean, when when I started doing it. I mean, I started doing it years ago and then I stopped for a little while and coming back to it was to do it like this and talk to people about records. And I think, but I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is kind of similar in that, like, I think I just like, you know, my favorite part about playing shows, honestly, is has been like meeting people and seeing, you know, making friends and seeing different, you know, parts of the world and getting different opinions on things. And I mean doing this for me was a, a way to continue doing that without you know having to always be at a bar or whatever or at a show and particularly right now when i can't do those things <laughs> like yeah because we we met because you were um you were like tour managing nails right for the yeah. dates that we went to australia yeah. yeah that was really cool yeah like 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 people like that like people who like travel and shit like that's um that's like a big part of music too. Like I want to talk to pretty much everybody I know. Yeah. And I mean, and I think, yeah, for me, it's, it's just been about like, it's also like a really good way to retain connection with people too. Like if, if particularly with people you don't see all the time, you know, like, and I mean, yeah, I'll be honest with you. The last, the last two years I've been kind of like, uh, just kind of keeping to myself. Yeah. And, um, I've lost connection with a lot of folks that, uh, that I've just I've just kind of fucking fell off the face of the earth. Like, um, so I'm, you know, I don't want to say I'm like getting back into the swing of things because like I've always paid attention to music and I've always been a fan of like uh, just like all types of shit. But in paying attention to hardcore and stuff, like I wasn't like out of it. I just kind of like uh, I don't know. I just stopped talking to people for a while. So um, yeah, I mean, that, so here here I am. Yeah, well, you, you're back <laughs> at it. You're back at it. Sick. Um, yeah. and how, how is like, how have you found, um, this downtime, I suppose, in a sense for like things like playing music and stuff like that? Has it been, I mean, I know for me personally, I've said it a couple of times already with people that I've spoken to, but when this all started off, I found it like very difficult to even have any reason to be playing guitar or anything like that. But then uh, since like talking to lots more people and doing a lot more stuff like this, it's really pushed me back into playing guitar and writing songs and stuff like that's good you know what talking to people like this too has motivated me a lot as well mm. like uh it's kind of selfish or it's kind of stupid to think that like um 
basically you need things around you to help help keep pushing pushing things forward even just like anybody really having a conversation but um dude i've i've been rehearsing i've been playing guitar more than i've ever played probably like i'm the best at guitar i've ever been right now like i've been practicing scales and doing all these fucking leads and shit and having just so much fun playing guitar dude that's like i like um i still have a job like i still work and shit so it's not like i have like all the time in the world and i got like two kids and a wife and stuff like i got plenty of responsibility on my shoulders but the extra time i'm lucky because i could do my job from home and my work has allowed me and my peers to do our job from home like full time yeah but like you know it's like you know while i'm while i'm waiting for something to complete i'm waiting 30 minutes i'm gonna go pick up my guitar and run some some scales and maybe at a faster bpm than i have before and it just feels good that's the thing about guitar it's like if you put if you put like i don't want to say minimal effort but i mean if you put like you know two or three hours effort into something like you will the next day you will wake up put your hands on the guitar and notice that like whatever you were doing before that you couldn't do it's now a little bit easier to do yeah like you see like like you could put a little bit of time in the guitar and see big changes and I've always liked that about guitar. I've yeah. always liked that. Like, like you rehearse for like for you. You run these scales at like 120 BPM on a Tuesday. You get up on Wednesday. You start getting your hands warm enough, and you can do it extra five or ten BPM faster. Like, mm. it's um, it's really gratifying playing guitar. At least I've gotten a lot of gratify gratification out of it, and I think that's that's why I've always stuck with it. But um, you know, I don't. It sucks not being out to go be able to go out and play with other people. What really sucks the most, dude, is just not knowing when a show is going to happen again. Yeah. That's like, I mean, you know, I don't, hmm. It would sound dramatic to think that, hey, I might not ever play a show again. Like that might sound a little dramatic, but, but I don't knows? think that's a reality, but who, but, <laughs> yeah. but I don't really know. Like, yeah. I think I'll play a show again, but how, what are shows going to look like after? Yeah. I mean, well, I was talking about it the other day. Cause I mean, even here, like the restriction stuff is slightly lifting now, but like they, they released, at least in Melbourne, they released like a calendar or like a potential calendar of when things could go back. And like, even just getting to like a hundred people in one place is still months away, you know? So, like, you know, they, they say that, but I think and maybe it's true, but I think one other thing that might possibly be able to happen, they just, you know, I live in, um, I live in Southern California and they, in a lot of places, they've just opened up a retail yeah. and dining and stuff like that. So it's like, people are jumping into this. Like I went to Long Beach today uh, to, um, I just went to Long Beach today. I drove out there and, uh, and, um, I saw a gang of people just on the street, no masks, no nothing. It's like, yeah. dude, people are itching to get out of their house and they're itching to just go back to normal. Like I understand like sporting events and concerts will have a very big watchful eye on them. Like it's, yeah. it's going to be hard to get away with stuff, but are people like, like when is, I think people are just going to be fucked this, like make this yeah. happen and make it happen now. Like we're tired of this shit maybe for, for sporting events, but music, it, the music industry has always been the first to lay down and say, yeah, go ahead and fuck me. Like, <laughs> like some like shows will probably like you'll probably I don't know. Like, are they gonna make you take your temperature before you walk into a venue? Yeah. Do you need to have, you know, our show's not gonna return until the vaccine's here, or like in two months, are people gonna be so fed up they're gonna the government's just gonna be like, fine, here, but have a concert. Then. Yeah, go do it. I don't know. Yeah, I hope I hope I hope people just are like this needs to happen and we're tired of this shit because I. 
I don't know. Economies. There's this is this is not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Well, and people can't just be fucking live streaming themselves playing in their spare bedroom for the rest of time. You know, like nothing's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Let's talk about that actually. What do you? How do you feel about it? Well, I don't. I don't like want to take too much issue, <laughs> but uh, I don't like it, man. I think music was. I think the magic of music is when. Like, sure, there could be one or there could be two guys, like, kind of steering the ship when it goes to, like, the vision or the songwriting or whatever, mm. whatever. But, like, when you, the magic of performance for music to me is when you have, like, you know, a group of, yeah. of people, guys or girls, whatever, just a, just a band going for it. Yeah. Like, 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 I need to see people playing music together. Like, the whole videos where it's, like, four screens and four different people's basically, you know, playing a cover song or whatever. It's, like, like I understand, like I get it, and I I do think there's value in that because I actually enjoyed watching a um, Doobie Brothers video. They did Blackwater, oh, and like, <laughs> and I play and I played it, and I like I, I watched the whole thing, and I liked it. Yeah. But like, I that's the only one I liked. So it's it's dumb for me to think that other people aren't going to get enjoyment out of those videos, and I can't completely write them off. But it's just like, man, like these they're not they're not cool to me. They're really yeah. not. I mean my my. Like again, like I also understand. I, I, I'm like, I don't really care if it's when it's people doing covers and things like that. But I mean, my my main thing is like, I, I mean, I couldn't. I mean, I, I can play drums and I can play guitar, but I don't. I don't choose to go and be in a band by myself. Like I actively choose to play music with other people because the the part I get enjoyment out of is, you know, collaborating with them, whether it is on even if it's not the writing even if it's just as much as like being in the space with someone else but like you know having someone else to trade off with that's how you get the bet or at least that's how i get the best out of playing music you know like yeah when you when you find people that you have like a good musical chemistry with yeah. it's like it's magic and 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 you see that when bands perform you see if the 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 guys or girls on stage if they have musical chemistry you could you could tell when a band has chemistry or they don't. And to me, when a band has chemistry and they're out there just ripping it and like they're all on the same page, just killing it. Yeah. Or what at whatever it is they do, whether it's a metal music or hardcore music or or not, mm. it's just rock music or just whatever it is. Like you can tell when when you know a group of people are all on the same page and they're all, you know, they're on they're there for a particular mission and and it's to you know play the hell out of those tunes. Mm. And um, that's to me where mu- that's to me where the magic from music comes from like of course it comes from the recordings you know but even those comp- recordings are made up of you know those those people playing yeah, yeah. on them but like like i don't know I, I don't i don't feel i don't see and i don't really hear that magic when i watch those no. videos of no yeah, and you can you can tell that the that whatever vibe is there is is you know it's it's kind of like watching a music video as well like you, you have to be aware that like a music video is, exists as a as a function to push music to to other places it, it's not like the music video isn't the goal of writing a song <laughs> like the goal of writing yeah. a song is not let's make a video it's you know and i think did you hear did you hear the news of alba yeah it's great it's 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 their best record yeah i really like it i was it when it came out i went and showed it to a bunch of people it's it's i really that um is the a great progression for that band like it's perfect it's so good yeah i'm so psyched on it i jammed it like twice today i could have helped myself yeah it's great yeah when i when it 
I think it went on the internet here on, must have been on Friday, and I went around to a friend's house and he had something else on. I was like, let's put this on. I got to show you this thing. <laughs> like, it's fucking great. That's cool. It's it's my favorite thing they've done. I think yeah. it's, in, and I could say that after listening to it twice. Like, it's, it's, I think it's like, uh, I think they like focused on the, the, um, the things they do the best and yeah. they kind of like excelled. They, they like brought that to the forefront more. Like, I don't know. It's a really hard record. I like it a lot. Yeah. I love it. I think, and I think it's, it's got the perfect like combo of the, you know, death metal aspects of it, but then as well, bringing that, the like obvious, like crowbar guitar Crunch, worship yeah. into it as well. Yeah. Brian's a, Brian's really good at that stuff. Yeah. That's it. All those guys are. I guess they just did. They record that record as a three piece. I'm actually going to interview Brian on a couple oh, days, sick. so I'll ask him that myself. But I know their promo photos. It's just the three of them. Yeah, I get. I, I mean, I guess so. It's it like. Yeah. yeah, I think to me that it's definitely like, and it sounds the best as well to me. Like it just it sounds like perfect for how that band is. You know. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. I think Arthur did that record. He did. Good. Yeah. He's good at what he does. He is. He's fucking smashing it. It was yeah. Fucking killer. You you chatting to him about all that stuff was cool too. Like that was fun to listen. Oh, to. Oh, on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, because dude, dude, Arthur has so many cool insights, dude. Yeah, and I mean, I like think because I met you two at the same time, obviously. <laughs> like that's so right. Yeah, when like, we went to Australia, he came out with us and he did sound right. Yeah, yeah, and it was just it was like it. Was, I mean, I remember you know a couple times when the you, you know we were collectively talking it was just a good you know trade back to those sort of conversations you know yeah great. yeah arthur has so many cool insights man i love talking music with that guy i want i want i uh, those dates we did in australia were great we did we did brisbane sydney and then melbourne i'd like to go back and do like a uh like an extended tour like more dates yeah and you know but maybe that'll happen on the next record and you know come and in melbourne play a play a you know a venue play your own show yeah too, you download know. was killer though it was fun i had a great time i mean i didn't, yeah. I didn't play I, just, I had fun though i watched mastodon yeah i love that dude brent hines guitar playing i think he's killer yeah it's fucking awesome no i mean i, I think i think yeah like i obviously I had a great time just going to those shows with you guys but like it's um you know if you if you can come back i'm sure people will fucking love it you know I would love it. I yeah. What um, dude, what bands did you see at download that you liked? I think I'm pretty sure the the most I watched that day was Macedon as well, and because yeah. I think most of us went sort of out to to watch that. Um, I can't. Remember, there wasn't. I don't know. Macedon was definitely it. I think. I think my my friends that playing that band Frenzel Rum played as well. And I watched that yeah. too. I wish I would have saw Suicidal and No Effect. Oh yeah, we went and we went and watched that. Who else? There was something else that maybe I can't remember. It's kind of blurred. I went last year as well and worked it last year too. And the last year's one had had like Ghost played, and that was really cool. sick. And I was I I managed to like sneak my way into like where they were doing sound, and I was like this big dude was real drunk next to me and like hugging me the whole time and i was like who is this guy and then at one point he just he he like introduced himself to me he's like what band do you play and i was like oh i'm not playing man i'm just here and he's like 
oh cool my band behemoth played before and it was the guitar player from behemoth was just like oh uh, seth yeah That's yeah great. <laughs> and he was like sing screaming all the songs in my ear with me and stuff it was so funny he was singing along to ghost yeah yeah and he was like that's so cool and their sound dude was there as well and he was saying like the only reason he came to australia to do the tour was because they were playing shows with ghost so he was like otherwise he probably wouldn't have come that far but he just wanted to see them play with ghost that's funny yeah. that's cool but yeah cool all right well i'll i'll stop recording but uh thanks thanks heaps for chatting with me man it was fun